Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Praise Team. Great job. And uh, thank you guys for, for joining us in worship. Let's recite our mission statement. It's to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And, you know, I know we talk about this every week, but Jesus Christ is the foundation. Yes. It's about this relationship. And so everything that God has called us to do here at Life Fellowship is to develop that relationship with Him, come into that personal relationship with Him. If we don't have a relationship with Him, Am I supposed to release the youth? Oh, youth, you're released. What are, what are you doing sitting here, man? <laughs> I look up and I see you on, and he's just chilled out. And I'm like, wait a minute, I think you guys are supposed to be back there. Um, so develop, bring those into the kingdom of God that don't have a relationship with him. And that's been all of us at some point in time. And then uh, development is... is, uh, is is really through the spending time with him in, in prayer and uh, then maintaining that connection with him where we're not going through these wild swings, but we're, we're growing in that relationship with him. And then modeling or exampling that we would live this thing out, that people would be able to see that we're Christians not by the things that we say, but by our life and the way that we live. And so I just want to reiterate the importance of this relationship. This is about what we're, this is what we're all about, this relationship with him. And then our vision, our, our goal is to become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Christ. Because as we're developing and we're growing in this intimate relationship with him, we can't help but impact the world around us because he's flowing through us. He's guiding us. He's leading us. And we're loving people. We're learning to love people like he loves them and he loves us. So this morning, I'm going to be starting this series called Foundations. And uh, the Greek word for foundations is to be grounded established, made firm, and unwavering. Spiritual maturity, we talk about that, that we become spiritually mature, that we grow up. And that requires a firm biblical foundation for us to, to understand the Word and for us to begin to live the Word and, and, uh, and, and walk this thing out. And in Hebrews chapter 6, I'm going to get there in a couple of minutes, but the writer of Hebrews talks about six basic things. And that's really what this series Foundations is based on. I'll be talking about these six basic foundational things. And I really want you to come on Wednesday if you can, because that's the premise as well of, this, of these classes that we're doing. And the, although I'm, I'm going to be talking about these six foundational teachings over the next few weeks, I'm just giving a broad brush overview. But on Wednesday nights, we're really going deeper. And that's where we're really going to develop and understand these foundational, these basic foundational things that the writer of Hebrews says that we should understand. He says, do we need to keep going over these things? 
These are basic things. I'm getting ahead of myself here. But the Wednesday night classes are designed to help us take what we're getting on Sunday mornings and then go deeper so that we can really solidify this relationship with him and we can really grow and become mature believers. And the reasons we're doing this are, to one, to learn and understand these basic foundational truths. We need to, learn, we need to know what they are and we need to understand uh, how we can live these things out because these will help us grow and become spiritually more mature. And it, it will help us as we go through this life and as we go out into the world and live it. And then additionally, when we understand these basic foundational truths, then we're able to go and teach others and train and equip and help others. I think in the life and the culture of the contemporary church today, that we need to really understand these basic foundational teachings. Uh, you know, the writer of Hebrews says they're basic, but I think that we would find in the culture today at church that it, it's really probably more advanced because many churches are not teaching the Word of God. And so what, what uh, you know, was a couple of thousand years ago with the, with the, the early church was basic now those become more advanced because people aren't getting the Word of God. They're not growing. How, how is it that, that we can live this thing out if we're not following the, the rule book, the plan that God has for our lives? And so a little bit about Hebrews. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. Some people think it's Paul. Some people think it may even be Priscilla or Apollos. We don't know. The important thing is if you haven't read Hebrews, you ought to go back and read it. It's a, it's a powerful book. And it was written to the Jewish Christians that were suffering persecution from, the, from their own uh, brothers and sisters who were Jews that were saying, hey, man, you're, you're caught up in all this Jesus thing, and we don't know about that. So they were suffering persecution from their own brothers and sisters who were steeped in the Jewish law and all that, and then they were suffering persecution from the Romans. And so they were caught between a rock and a hard place trying to live this thing out, trying to understand these basic concepts. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, man, you need to get these things. These are basic. These are foundational. So let's look at Hebrews 6.1. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. So we need, to, we need to take time to study the Bible. That's why every time you come here on a Sunday morning, you're going to get the Word of God because faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by what? The Word of God. So as we spend time in prayer, as we spend time listening to the Lord for direction, all are important to our life, not as a religious duty, but as, as based in this relationship that we're wanting to spend time with Him. And we understand the value because we're spending time with Him that encourages us to, to spend time with Him because we know the benefits of that. James 1.22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. You must do what the word says. How can Christians do what the word says if they don't know what the word says? <laughs> the Bible, the word, is the foundation to living the Christian life. In 1 Corinthians 4.20, I've talked about this a lot lately, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. Are we living in the power of God? Are we walking this thing out? I want to see the Lord do more in my life. 
I want to see the Lord do more in your life. I want to see the Lord do more in, in, the, uh, in this church. And I want to see uh, revival explode in Kima and League City where people are just filled with the presence and the power of God, where people are hungry for Him and people are stepping into this relationship and growing with Him. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So our understanding of God's word opens doors for us to share God's truth and to be an example for others. But the Lord is looking for trustworthy people that he can pour into then that can take the word of God, take the things of God, and pour into other people. Are we that kind of people? I would hope that we are. That we're saying, God, pour into me that I may take what you've given to me and I may live this thing out and then I may share that with other people so that they can live the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Four weeks ago, I talked about my role. And I talked a little bit about Moses being overwhelmed. We're not sure how many people he was leading in the desert. Estimates are 1.8 to 4, 5, 6 million people. And his father-in-law, Jethro, comes to him and gives him some advice. He says in Exodus 18:20, Teach them God's decrees. And give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. Because Moses had all these people coming to him with all these problems. And, and his father-in-law says, hey, why don't you teach them the truth? Teach them what they need to do so that they can live this life out. So they're not inundating you with all this stuff. You, you may have heard this, this saying before. Uh, you can give a man a fish and feed him for a meal. Or you can teach him how to fish and feed him for a lifetime. So are we having to constantly come back and get refed like a, like a little baby bird? You know how the mother will feed the... Oh, okay, you, you, you get the picture. But are we growing? Are we getting the Word of God within us so that we can begin to share that with other people? And uh, my, what's my role? My role is to lead and feed. So that's what I'm intent on doing and that's what i need to spend my time doing is searching the word of god and preparing for sunday morning and and all the things that we have going on here to lead and feed but the pro there's a problem with the church today it's inwardly focused you know we're we're putting all this energy into to building this little silo where we all hang out when jesus said we're to be outwardly influencing we're to be outwardly focused and so when you come here on Sunday morning, when you come on Wednesday night, when you come on Thursday morning for prayer and worship, we're being built up so that we can go out and impact the world around us to build the kingdom of God, to bring people into that kingdom and say, man, listen, you don't have to be out there on the outside fighting and scrapping and clawing. You can come into this place of rest and peace. You can live this abundant life that Christ came to give. And I'm not saying that we never have any challenges, but when we have some challenges, we need some Jesus. We need some Word of God in us to, to help us navigate through the challenges of life. So Jesus calls us to be outwardly focused. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, our core scripture. And these are the gifts, the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. For what? For equipping the saints. So it's my role to see that you get equipped because you're saints of God. 
This will continue until we all, all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we become mature in the Lord, that we grow up. We're not just coming on Sunday morning for a, a nice little service and sing a cute little song and go home and live the same life that we just left. But God is calling us to, to a life of change. This will continue. It needs to continue until we get it. And if we, if we don't have these basic foundational fundamental things solidified in us, we can't go on to, to more and to greater. Three weeks ago, I talked about what's your role? To be equipped to go out and effectively minister. And I talked about how that one person can, has a sphere of influence, but a hundred people has a hundred times greater sphere of influence. And so on your job, in your neighborhood, are you going out and making a difference or have you siloed yourself off and say, well, you know, I don't want to talk to anybody about my this relationship that I that I have. I don't know about you, but the the changes that God has done in my life and is doing because I haven't arrived. What do you mean? Yes. Wait a minute now. <laughs> okay. All right. The changes that God is doing in my life are inspirational to begin to share that with other people. Because I talk to people and you talk to people all the time that need some hope. <laughs> Hebrews 6, 1 through 3, these are the six basic foundations. And uh, many Christians just don't have an understanding of these things. And we need the Holy Spirit to, to guide us and lead us and bring fresh revelation and understanding to his word. So I want to begin in, actually in chapter 5 of Hebrews 5, 11. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Wow, that's kind of stinging. So the writer is saying these things are not easy to understand, but you're spiritually dull and you don't listen. Do you know Christians that are spiritually dull? I mean, they go to church or whatever, they may read the Bible, they may have Scripture memorized, but spiritually they're, they have no discernment, they're dull. Do you know people that, that don't listen? Okay, husbands and wives, look at me right now. Look at me, okay? But do you know people that don't listen? Oh, I know the Word of God says this, but I'm going to do this. What did we just read in James 1.22? That we are to do the Word, not just hear it only, but to live this thing out. So Hebrews uh, 5.12 says, You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. So what do you think Jesus would, is going to say if, if you show up in heaven and, and, uh, and, and you've been directly disobedient? to the Word of God, and the, and the things that He's told you, when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, and you, you just reject those things, what do you think Jesus is going to say? Oh, yeah, that's cool, man. You know, I know this, this stuff was written 2,000 years ago, and wasn't really relevant to your generation. You think that's going to fly? 
you know, it's okay that you live that lifestyle. I mean, that was cool for back then or whatever. No. God wants us to grow. He wants us to get this in here so that our lives are changed, so that we are changed. Hebrews 5.12, you have been believers so long. Do you know people that have been in church for 50 years or 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, and are not changed? There's something wrong. What is it? Is it they're not being challenged? Is it that they're not being taught the Word of God? Or is it that they've chosen to disobey and say, well, you know, I know the Word says that, but, you know, I know more than God. (laughs) I can work this out. You see people continuing to crash into the wall, and, and they don't get it? Are they not listening? Are they spiritually dull? Are they uh, selfish? What, you know, what is it? Why do people continue to do some of the things that they do and not change? <laughs> I guess that's, that's the question here. But you have been believers so long that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Wait a minute, what's the topic here, food? No, it's spiritual maturity. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature. You wouldn't think about trying to feed an infant a steak. You wouldn't cut up a steak and say, here, eat this steak. Come on, come on. What's wrong with you? Eat this steak. They don't have any teeth. <laughs> you know, they, they're, not, they're not able to swallow and, and digest that food. And so we, this is about spiritual maturity. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature. So how does a Christian become mature? Well, let's read on. In verse 14, solid food is for those who are mature, who through, what, training, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. There's a training process. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Don't conform to the customs of this world, but be, what, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So there's this process There's this training process that takes place as we yield our hearts and lives to the Lord. It's not about the process. It's about coming to that place of that relationship with Him where we're yielding to Him and He's doing something different in our lives. Let me read this in the New American Standard Bible as well. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern Good and evil. Mature. It means to be a person that is full grown in mind and, uh, mind and understanding and knowledge of the truth. Our senses. This, this scripture talks about uh, the, because of practices have their senses trained to discern. Senses. He's not talking about uh, smell, hear, taste, touch, see, our emotions. He's talking about that internal godly perspective the spirit of god that lives in us that gives us the sensitivity to the leading of the holy spirit and having the word of god where we know right from wrong 
where we know what to do because we're praying. We're saying, God, what, what do you want me to do in this situation? How do I handle this? And God begins to give us direction either through the word or through uh, his spirit leading us or, and guiding us. I want to read it in the Amplified. Sorry, I love doing that. I, I'm sorry. I, I know I need to stop doing that. But the Amplified version says, But solid food belongs to those who are full uh, uh, those who are full of full age, okay, take two, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. So the writer of Hebrews is calling us and calling them to spiritual maturity. Let's continue on. Hebrews 6.1, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. So we need to grasp the basics before we can go on to the more mature things. Verse 1 continues, surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. I mean, do we have to go back? 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 Can we move forward? Um, um, the New American Standard Bible says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Verse 2, You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. I could just see the, the, you know, the expression of the writer. And so, God willing, can we move forward, please? Somebody help a brother out here. I mean, come on. So the Lord wants us all to come to this place of understanding these basic foundational teachings and become mature believers. Let's go back to verse 1 in, in Hebrews 6. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. So the NLT talks about uh, repentance from evil deeds. The New American Standard Bible uh, translates it repentance from dead works. What are dead works? Dead works are evil deeds. Uh, dead works or evil deeds, the same thing, are things that are dead, that are inoperative, that are inactive, and in opposition to the good news that Jesus brought. Those are dead works. Sin entered our spiritual DNA when Adam and Eve sinned. And I know you know that, but let's go to um, Romans 5.12. We know when, we know how sin entered into our, our DNA. And it says here, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So sin was passed down from Adam and Eve. It became part of our DNA, but, which is a problem for us. But God provided a solution. His name is Jesus. Amen. All right. So Romans 3, 23 and 24 says, For everyone, say everyone, everyone, has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, I love that. But wait a minute. 
We all fall short. But God, yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did that through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. So you imagine that somebody's taken hostage. And, and then somebody says, hey, you know what? what what's the ransom? It's a million dollars. Here. Here's a million dollars. I'm redeeming them. I'm buying them back. I'm paying the price. And so that's what Jesus has done for us for all of our sins. The ones from 10 years ago, the ones from last night are on the way to church. Were you nice? Did you drive nice? You let somebody in? The ones in the future. So all of our sins are paid for. Amen. So in Mark, I want to talk a little bit about Mark here. Uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples about uh, defilement, that it doesn't come from what we eat. It comes from what's in our heart. So Mark seven twenty through 23, and this is Jesus talking. And then he added, it's what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All of these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. And so when we're born again, there should be a change. We receive salvation, and the Lord changes our heart and life. We repent from the dead works. Some of you have heard this, this prayer that I prayed when, when somebody responds to the altar call dozens, maybe hundreds of times. Lord God, I just ask that you forgive me of my sins. I ask that you come into my heart and life, that you give me a fresh start today. See, that's what it's supposed to be like. And we come and we're saying, God, I'm, I'm asking forgiveness for all my sins. That's where it begins. I'm saying, God, I bring this junk to you. And there's something that takes place when we do that. Do you remember when you did that and the weight that was lifted off of you? Where you, where you just felt like all that stuff was finally gone. All that stuff you've been dragging around with you. And so that's why we pray that prayer. We, it begins with repentance, saying, God, I, I'm just giving you my life and I'm repenting. I'm saying I'm sorry for all the things that I've done. And God touches and changes our life. And he begins this process of transformation where he begins this process of working and bringing health and healing and wholeness into our lives and getting us on the right path, removing those blinders and the scales from our, our eyes and opening our ears and opening our heart to receive everything that he has for us today and, and whenever, we, whenever we come to him. So Hebrews 6.1 continues, Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Dead works come from our self-effort. Self-effort is the impure attempt of a guilty conscience to find a way to satisfy God or promote self. That's our problem. Is, is our selfishness. Well, you know, I, I, I really don't want to give God my life because I'm, I'm in control here. Uh, look, at, look at how well I've done. Well, okay, maybe I do need a little help every once in a while, right? But what does repentance from sin or dead works look like? Some say it, it means just turning a 180 and going the other direction. But I think it's much more than that. I think repentance is more like changing the way that we think about sin. 
Because I can turn and go the other way and, and there's no change, right? I, I don't think any differently about sin. Oh, a fifth of whiskey every night is okay. Oh, a fifth of whiskey every night is okay. I mean, just turning and going the other way may not make any change in our heart and life. So repentant, repentance is more like we, uh, how we think about sin. And this can have a direct impact on the way we respond or act towards sin, right? If we're thinking differently then maybe we won't do some of the things that we do. And so repentance is a change of heart, mind, attitude, emotions, will, actions, and lifestyle. Repentance represents a change in our mind towards sin and dead works. And it it brings about a change in our position related to our position with God. Imagine that someone comes up to you and they say, you know, man, I'm really sorry I I hit you last week. Bam! Oh, you know, gosh, I'm sorry I hit you. Man, I'm I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. You'd be going, hey, wait, wait, hold up, man. You know, what you're saying doesn't reflect what you're, miss me, ha ha, doesn't reflect what you're doing. So there should be a change in the things that we do. And listen, the word says that if someone sins against us, that we need to give them, forgive them, what, 70 times 7? So our, our forgiveness should be continual. But if somebody is coming and, and saying, hey, listen, I repent, I'm sorry, but there, there's no change, you have to wonder what's going on there. And I wonder about some of the people that have prayed the salvation prayer are they really saved? Because it's not the words, it's not reciting some words that, that save us. It's a change in our heart. Because Jesus had a problem with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders. Is it because they had memorized books of the Bible and knew thousands of Scripture? No. He didn't have a problem with that. What he had a problem with was the words that they said did not reflect the actions and the motivations of their heart. And what did he call them? He called them hypocrites. He said, you're actors. You're acting like this, but in reality, your life is like this. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, must we go over these basic things again? Repentance from sin and dead works? Can we move on from that? Hebrews 6.1 So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. So when, when you come on Wednesday night, we're going to be drilling down deeper into these things. And we're going to find that there is a direct correlation between these two that he's talking about right here, repentance and faith in God. But I'm not, I'm not going to get into that this morning. I'll talk more about that maybe next week. But here's the thing, is that our lives should look different if we say that we're a Christian. And please, please do not misunderstand me. I am not talking about performing. 
Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says we're what? Saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works that any man should boast, but salvation is a gift from God. So please understand, it, this is not about performance because nobody can perform well enough to earn salvation. And the good news is nobody can be bad enough to be excluded. Well, I murdered somebody and, and I robbed a bank. Well, you know, too bad. You're going to hell. You, you can't be redeemed. No. God can redeem anyone from anything. Now, I'm not proposing you kill anyone or rob a bank, okay? So don't do that. But what I'm saying is that it's not based on our works. It's based on His grace. And you know, the, the amazing thing is so many people reject that. I mean, is it really that difficult? Is it, what would keep people from coming and saying, God, I, I just give you my life? I mean, you know, what we find many times is people want to perform. They want to jump through all these hoops and that they cannot even obtain when, when Jesus says, just come to me. Just come to me. Just repent and watch what I do in your heart and life. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me. Or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week, and remember to live it. God bless you.